And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 336 of This Old Marketing for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and you know, a guy who hasn't ever had to plead the fifth for four hours straight, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> you haven't had you. you. You haven't had to plead the fifth for four hours straight, right? I No, um, I've never had to plead the fifth, but I have been in a part of a lawsuit, which I can't talk about. Oh, that's f- that's such a tease. It is a tease. Uh, I was I was there was actually this is shoot how many years ago was it? Almost twenty years ago, and I okay. was a part of a group of people in a company, a part of an age discrimination suit, and I was one of the main oh. characters that had to come in and main testify. Character, main characters. Main, <laughs> it was it was crazy. <laughs> And yeah, you were, was it? A, you were a, you were above the line talent in this oh, particular show. Well, I was yeah. the no talent in this particular. I role. see. And I'll just tell you the the one story that was interesting is I was coached by the staff attorney and said, "Okay, they're going to ask you this question. It's like obviously answer it honestly, but don't say too much. Whatever, you know, just answer sure. the question." Yeah. I said, "Got it, got it, got it." So I go in there and I'm starting to get my questions and I'm going through it. I'm talking and you know, when I talk, I just ramble and I of start course, talking. You, yeah. Right. Yeah. And my lawyer says, time out. I'm like, okay. I said, we need a five minute break. And we go outside and basically pushes me against the wall and said, what oh the my. hell are you doing? And I said, I'm just answering the question. He says, no, you're not. You're telling everything. You're just going on and rambling and you're not answering the question at all. You're, you're just talking. It's like, I want you to go in there, and whatever the question is, you answer. If it's a yes or no question, you answer yes or no, and you stop talking. If it's, you know, and I don't know this. this I've never been a part of this before. Sure, I yeah. I watched enough yeah, Perry yeah. Masons, apparently. So, okay. Right. I go back in there, and then it was much better, and I got a better grade afterward because I just, I realized that I only answer the specific question. Right. That's right. You are not there to offer any color commentary on anything. <laughs> and of course, I think I'm doing a great job. I'm like, oh, I'm sure, of course, yes, yeah. I'm feeling good. And yeah. of course, the the person who's deposing me is like, this is great because we're getting all the juice and not even asking for it. So, anyways, I, I've not pled, I've not ever pled the fifth, but I have been involved in a a scenario, I guess. Which is more than what I, anyone wanted to know listening to this podcast. No, what the I th- I think it's all fascinating. I mean, you know that. Uh, that you've, I've never been deposed. I, I, I will say that. I, I've never been deposed, nor have I ever testified. I got hired one time to be a subject matter expert, an expert witness in a trial uh, for an ad tech company. No way. Uh, yeah. And I was going to be the expert witness on the way that the technology worked to be able to explain it to the jury. And I got briefed and it was really good money. I mean, it was really good money. Um, and they, cause they not only pay you for the appearance, they of course pay you for all the preparation and research and everything else you have to do. So it's, it's really quite lucrative. And I thought it would be a fun 
experience. So I was like, oh, I'm totally into this. And then the thing never went to trial. So I never, I never got to, I never got, I never got paid either, by the way. They never really oh, officially man. engaged Because that could have been a whole new career path for you. Like just, it's a, it, I hear a lot well, of people It's a career path that. for, yeah, exactly. There is a lot of, there are a lot of people who do Maybe that, not who, in the ad do it for a living space. Maybe it, more doctors do that and psychologists yeah. and things like that. You have not to figure in the ad tech space, marketers. it's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not a lot of we marketers need, as experts. We need an witnesses. expert on enterprise marketing here. <laughs> That's right. Who can we find? Oh, well, we got, we got a ringer over here, Robert Rose. <laughs> Uh, I, Mr. Rose, tell me about your experience in marketing. Well, storytelling. It's all about storytelling. <laughs> you know, I I didn't get any mentions on this, uh, you know, through the through Twitter or Discord or anything like that. But I'm yeah. wondering if anybody noticed the sweet sounds of Robert Rose since you've got your new studio set up. I mean, I I did have one person email. Me. Really? Yes, I did have I, I did have one person email me last week. Uh, you know who you are, uh, but um, yeah, I have the I have finally splurged. I have always wanted uh one of the Electro Voice microphones, and for those of you who don't know the Electro Voice microphone, it is the it is what the NPR folks use. Oh. It's basically the that 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 fancy, and I have I have been I have fanboyed over that sound for so long uh, that I really really wanted it, and it's been bugging me about the you know the small amount of room tone that you can still hear in you know in when I when I speak and I just have a live room where I record so it's really hard for me to deaden it up but the electro voice microphone is very very forgiving in that and and I can play around with the sound a little bit and yeah it's better it's I'm happier I'm happier with it for I'm sure I'm going to have to up I hope the, I hope the audience is yeah, I feel yeah I feel like uh, you know people are listening to it and they're like okay well there's Robert. No, there's Joe. Boy, he needs a new setup. Terrible. <laughs> did you see the? I don't. It's, did you see the the review that we got uh, for the podcast? I don't know if it was on Apple or whatever. It said that they're having trouble distinguishing between us. Did you? I, that has been a common. I've heard that as a common challenge for years. I've 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 seen that. Um, people have said that it's. I they have a tough time distinguishing between the two of us. I'm not sure why. It's you know maybe it's, it's, maybe we should start using an accent or something like that or you you should maybe you should start talking like Sean Connery so they know that's Robert and I'll start doing Jerky Boys impressions or something like that that would work fantastically yeah. that would I'm sure that would that would solve the whole problem I I just start doing everything in a Scottish accent I oh see that's a winner right there I think that yeah. that would our ratings would go through the roof. So, yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I did, you know, believe it or not, I did just check our uh, our statistics for this podcast oh, because I was in there. Yes. Because when you, just so people know, we've had some really Have good we, sponsors. We've had Superside and we've had Zapier. And what happens is, yeah. is that you have to get your downloads to them. Most of them request that so you you know we basically uh, have to look right and we we have been doing really really well like it's been a a consistent improvement over the last two years where every month it's just a little bit more so just thank you to everyone i oh, don't know thank if people you are sharing that, that or if they're listening twice or on multiple devices maybe that's it, it could be well here's the th- you know what we need we need a article in the new york times is what we need so if anybody knows anybody who wants to talk to 
two chuckleheads about podcasting in the New York Times, that would be really awesome. And the reason I'm saying that is because, so, you know, we've, we've mentioned Prof G on this show before and his podcast, although I think his podcast is sort of jumping the shark a little bit, but that's a whole other story. Um, it's gone market very he, much market uh, oriented. It's just, and it's just really, it's just really like sort of like, what, what are you doing anyway? It, and you know, and he's off for the month of August anyway. So it's all anyway, So we'll see what happens in September. Yeah. But, but, but my point being is that he mentioned, he actually mentioned that he got a story in the New York times, a profile. They profiled him as a personality. Oh, that was the one and where his, he is, is something like, is Scott Galloway, the next Howard Stern or, or the Howard yes, Stern of that's ex- marketing or something. A business or something. Yeah. 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 And then, and then he, he said on his podcast, he said his subscriptions went through the roof. Like overnight he became a top 10 podcast. So that's what we need. We need we need we need the New York Times to to Do we have any do we have any New York us. Times? We're the we're the we're the what what is it the the two muppets up in the theater? <laughs> that's what we are of of marketing. So not the Howard Stern but the but the I don't know. I always want to say Waldorf and Gandalf, but it's not. I think that's it. I think Waldorf. it is Waldorf and Gandalf. <laughs> it's exactly. It's yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, Michael and Fredo. It's uh, what's another one? Oh, there you go, Michael and Fredo. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe not have you Michael watched the offer? Have Sonny you watched the Fredo. offer? Maybe that would be better. Did you what? Did you watch the offer? Yes, absolutely. Is isn't it fantastic? So anyway, just to give some context, the offer is it's on Paramount Plus, right? Because I, that's right. I, we we did so. I did. I wanted to watch Picard second season, so I got okay. the Paramount Plus so I could watch Picard, and I did not like the second season of Picard. I did not finish it. I'm sure you did. Oh. You're in. I know you've been oh, trying course, to get me yes. in on the new Star Star Trek thing. Regardless yeah. of all that, uh, I saw the offer, and I'm a big Godfather fan. And the offer goes through the making of the how the Godfather got made, and fascinating right 10 episodes something like that yep exactly right and uh uh rooster's in it uh the guy that plays rooster in uh in top gun maverick i forgot what his name yep. is but uh he was he's tremendous and then the uh giovanni rabisi i mean oh he and then he just, plays the mob I, boss in it he he plays uh colombo and it's just it's that he's so good and so different than any role you've ever seen him in. I mean, the whole thing is just really, it's really well done. It's so, it's fun. It's not a comedy, but it's not really a drama either. It's just sort of a, an adventurous sort of look back. And it's it never gets too heavy or too light. It's just, it's just a, I think it's really good. I, do, I totally agree. And then I have since uh, canceled my subscription to Paramount+. Plus. Just not enough. Oh, just not, in my opinion, hell? just not enough there. I think if you're a Star Trek fan, great. But other than that, yeah, they do have some. I think they had a couple of movies that came out, like the Sandra Bullock movie of her, which was awful, running in the awful. jungle, whatever that was. Oh, it was so awful. It was yeah. So that the 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 the. the 30 seconds, 30, 45 seconds that Brad Pitt is in that movie is fantastic. Is the best part, and yes. every, is Everything else is is awful. It, it was supposed to be, what, the modern age romancing the stone? Yes, pretty much. But it's, but That's it's, exactly right. It's absolutely horrible. But anyways, yeah. that one came out right away on Paramount+. Plus. So if you're into that stuff, good for you. But I'm, I am not. Because we're, we're trying to cut our subscriptions. 
We have too many of them. Oh, gosh. He, the, uh, the only, I'm not going to go off on a what, rant. I'm not going off on a rant on that because that's just, uh, that's I, just you for you, that's I'm the most ridiculous. Right now, it's, the only reason that... It's a business expense, you realize. That's a business expense. You should be you should be expensing all those things, but that's... I don't know, care I, if it's a business expense. It's still money out of my pocket. And I don't want to spend it if... Wah, wah, okay, wah, I'll give you wah, an example wah. of this. The only reason that I subscribe, and I'd like, we're going to talk about Hulu in a second, folks. But the only reason that I subscribe to Hulu TV or Hulu Plus or if it's YouTube Plus, doesn't matter, is because I want to watch my Browns away games. That's it. And I'm not paying direct TV for access like you do. And so I'm like, that's it. I can get my home games and done. That's why I was so excited when NFL came out with their mobile package or whatever it was i'm like oh finally i can just subscribe to the nfl and get my games but no you can't yet it's it's not it's, it's well a that's fake, a whole different topic fake, that's an entirely different topic yeah, it's a whole fake and whatever it's not even a real thing that they they said they were having their own streaming network but they're really not because you, you don't get anything good you don't. I just, that's all. I, I don't disagree. I, I'm just suggesting that a subscription. You know. Uh, anyway, I'll, we'll get off on a. Well, you we you what it, you're on all of them. You've got every one. all of them. Every single one of them. Absolutely. I, it's part of my job to be up on pop culture and the media and what's going on with streaming services. I also don't. Imp, I don't. I don't install ad blockers on my browser because I want to. I want to see the advertising because I think that's part of my job. I, you know, it. I, I, you know, that's that's the way I I, I look at it. No, is that you're, you're fu- this is part of my business, and I need to know hey about folks, it. Hey, folks, just so you want to know some behind-the-scenes stuff. So basically, every other week, you know, Robert sends the links to me, and I go and look at them, and then I'm like, oh, great. Click on Wall Street Journal. No, I can't get access to that. That's subscribers only. Oh, click on Insider. Oh, can't get access to that. I don't have subscribe. But you've subscribed to literally everything on the planet. So Not everything. Not No, not everything, but, but certainly but the usual suspects. Yeah, like I have a subscription to New York Times. I have a subscription to Wall Street Journal. I have, I have a subscription to uh, I've now Business Insider. I don't like Business Insider, to be honest, but I, I do subscribe to it because it's, you know, useful for getting some articles. But, but you know, it's probably the one that I'm, I, I most often hate watch. So, yeah. So Robert Rose is the founder of Subscribers Anonymous. And you're, yeah. when's your next meeting? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. It's every day. It's every, we have them <laughs> it's every, every day. day. We have them every day. Yeah. All right. As, as uh, whoever it was that said, you know, success is, uh, success is, uh, uh, what is it? Success is an apartment and rent is due every day or what, whatever. I can't, I mean, it's TJ Watt, isn't it? Or uh, TJ Watt. Are you quoting TJ uh, Watt on the show? My God. TJ Watt. Um, anyway, JJ Watt, JJ Watt. I don't care which Watt right. you're quoting. Yeah. This is a we're above the Watt brothers. All right, we haven't got into NFL. That'll be next <laughs> week when we get into NFL because it will be the first uh, week of preseason games. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But for today's show, today we have a fun show planned. We're going to talk a lot about success. I think um, we're going to talk about Disney's uh, earnings results continue. It is earnings season after all, and Disney just came out, and I just mean damn. Disney, damn. Um, we'll we'll get into a little bit of that. We'll talk about why Cox Media just bought Axios, uh, and that's a fascinating thing for us both as marketers and as media and content creators. Uh, we'll talk about digital media company exits. 
there's been a lot of them of late, and the uh, uh, the aforementioned Axios did a really nice job of a roundup of that. Uh, we can take a look at multiples and what we think is going on with the world of media acquisitions. We'll talk about Lyft. They have given their own selves a lift with building a media operation within their business, and we'll talk about how that might be you know, linked to what's going on with the world of advertising spend. And then if we've got time, we'll talk a little bit about uh, interesting podcast uh, issues with advertising and readouts and a little bit of a continuation of the discussion we had last week about advertising and where native advertising and readouts uh, all sit. I will then have a commentary about uh, Malcolm Gladwell and the, some of the things he's been saying recently about work from home. And Mr. Joe is going to talk about the slots. Uh, I have only slots. a, I have only a very, very vague inkling of what that will mean. So I'm very anxious to hear all about that. I like so. the fact. See, <laughs> you never know what my commentary is going to be. Right. I know, That's right. I never send it to you. I just tell you. That's right. Before we go on air, what I'm going to talk about, and you're like, whatever. Yeah, it's, like it's you, prima you know, donna. I mean, you never get me it's, stuff. Well, on it's time. the you know. Yeah, well, it's the part of the show where I can go check email or get another that's cup good. of coffee yeah. or something. That's yeah. that's exactly what we want. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, you checking out on during the show. I mean, you check out while you're talking. So I mean, it's that fine. is not even that I check out while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's is, just, I think people are like, is this one true. of Robert's? You know, is he going to go on a tantrum here? Is just whatever soliloquy. It's like okay, we're going to check out for a few minutes. <laughs> soliloquy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right. All right. Let's get on with the show here. Uh, let's get to our first story, which does come uh, courtesy of Axios. Uh, and the headline here is that Disney surpasses Netflix. Dun, dun, dun. Heavy, huge, dramatic music, please. Uh, in global paid streaming subscribers, Disney's stock spiked nearly 4% in after hours trading on Wednesday. That would be yesterday as we record this. After the entertainment giant said it added 14.4 million Disney Plus subscribers, blowing past Wall Street expectations. Disney now has more than 221 million total subscribers across all of its subscription streaming offerings, uh, officially surpassing Netflix, which reported 220.7 million subscribers last quarter after losing nearly a million compared to the previous quarter. The company also beat expectations for its revenues and profits thanks to strong results from its theme parks division. Live sports viewership gains helped give TV business a boost. Basically, Disney just crushed it. Um, so, what do you, what do you, what do you think? I mean, we have, I guess we've, we've long predicted that Disney would just be the the one to beat here, but seems like they're just, they're just absolutely slaying. Well, I don't want to want to talk out of school here, but you and I, when they launched Disney Plus, you and I both said that they're going to be the dominant player. We always believed this. Now that yeah. said, I'm a little suspect on this 221 million subscribers. Oh because yeah, there's okay. no well, that's across every that's across everything. There's no right? deduplication yeah. going on here. So who knows how many? And the other thing is, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. They're going to start counting individuals as part of these households and who has access. For example, I think what what uh, Netflix is going to do. So we have an account with Netflix. We're subscribers of that service, at least for now. And we have four people attached to that, you know, two kids and my wife. So does that mean that Netflix has an audience of four in this household? I think the answer is yes. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, 
that's a classic television measurement. I mean, going back to my my Nielsen analyst days when I was doing TV ratings, we would often do that. We the the networks when they're setting up their uh, their their ad pitches for 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 upfronts or anything like that, what the what the cable networks would show is two numbers. They would show their Nielsen ratings, which are based on households, and then they would show what are called VPVHs, viewers per viewing household. And those you would use demographic numbers to show based on that Nielsen sampling, you know, there were four people in, you know, Texas average households. So you would get, you know, you you could basically show that in your ratings for viewers per viewing household for individuals 18 to 34, you actually skew higher than your competitors, right? In other words, you have a much higher targeted audience than your competitors. And I think you're absolutely going to start to see that with the streaming services. And they have the data, by the way, because you're breaking out separate profiles for all those streaming services. Yeah, they know exactly. I would like to see more of that done so we know the exact number. Because Netflix, they have 200, what, are the, what is it, 220? Whatever, 200 million. Two, that's what they them. said. So what is it? Yeah. Is it 600 million people? How many people do we have? Um. I don't know if that's that big of a deal, but the point is, you mentioned about Disney's stock price. Depends on what you're. Well, I do well, it, you know? Honestly, it depends on what you're measuring, right? Because if you're measuring, uh, you know, uh, basically your ARPU, your average revenue per user per subscriber household, you want to measure households. Yes. But if you're measuring, if, but if you start talking about advertising, it's a whole different thing, right? You want to start measuring individuals. And I think that. Netflix is getting to that point because of the fact, and everyone knows this who's, who has multiple people on a Netflix account, if you go into one Netflix account versus another one, you see very different things. Very different things. Like I, There are movies that my wife finds that I've never seen before and I can never get access to. Like She has <laughs> his own wall garden of the, the <laughs> hour and 28 minute romant, stupid romantic comedy that I have never seen. And I have sure. the two hour and 45 minute Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff that they're. And they know based on that watch, that, that viewing habit, exactly who you are. Yes, they right? do. I mean, they have, a, they have a persona down for you, I'm sure. So, and it's, it's so funny. We, I was at a Cedar Point, which is one of the greatest theme parks in the world, in Sandusky, Ohio yesterday. And I was walking around and it had to be one or two of every 10 people had a Star Wars, Marvel, or Disney shirt on. There is, wow. This is, we're seeing by far the greatest media company that's ever lived, Disney, in my opinion. And the scary thing is they're just getting started. And we've talked about how many times have you railed about the fact that they simply they have not figured out a way to integrate really well the Disney Plus streaming service with their events or other merchandise sales. If they ever bring that together, I mean, you, oh, could, they will. you could quickly sure. see a double in revenue. And I don't really know what they're waiting for on that. I mean, I, I'm sure they're testing it. Oh, out. I'm sure they're building it. Yeah, they're building it. I guarantee you they're building it. They're, I absolutely guarantee you they're building it. They're just too good with, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you want to talk about a company that actually gets, you know, artificial intelligence and the ability to bring predictive insight into the experience, the consumer experience. Disney is, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're masters at this. What do you think you know, about, I mean, the, in terms, what do you think about the ad They're They're going to launch their ad service. <clears throat> Disney Plus ad Disney? service. Yeah. 
What do you think? I think it's in many ways. It's well, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about it later in the show when we when we talk about Lyft. I think every single company that has that is selling anything is looking for real estate where they can put ads. Right. I mean, Lyft is doing it. You know, Disney is, of course, they would be silly not to look at a, a demand side platform and, and, and the ways to create a, an advertising platform for themselves um, and make that, by the way, part of the, the entire experience, because that first party data is incredibly valuable sure. for them to be able to optimize the experience on all those things. Netflix is obviously doing it. I, I would be I would be shocked if most of the other, you know, Discovery, you know, the the, the you know, if Discovery and, and Warner can ever sort of sort out the tangled mess that is their entire company, they'll do it too. You know what? I, I don't even this is a, a stupid theory, but I'm gonna run this by you. I think the reason one of the big reasons why all these platforms are launching ad programs, and we'll talk about the whole thing with Lyft in a little bit, is you is because of YouTube. Because the younger generations that have grown up on YouTube, for most most of the time, they've got to look through some kind of pre-roll or, or mid-roll ad. And they're just used to it. I think they've just just become almost like we were we were used to the fact of, you know, having to watch regular television, all these ads, and then it went away. And then we're like, well, this is the greatest thing ever. I think they're going to the pack. Well, we don't mind it. And in some cases, if the ads are really relevant, we'd like to see the ads. Like my youngest son, he likes to watch the ads. He's kind of like you, strange. Like he likes <laughs> well, to watch all the advertisements. Yeah. So you know, I think I think you're right, but I think even a bigger driver of this is the expansion of interfaces, right? Where you know, I mean, again, we'll talk we'll we'll talk about Lyft in it here in a bit, but but the expansion of interfaces that where everything now is. A you know has the capability of becoming an interface to streaming media, you know. So you know you're waiting in line at Burger King. That's a that's a perfect place to actually watch you know streaming media and see ads. You're standing in line at the airport. You're on the train. You're sitting in the back of a lift. You're sitting in the back of a taxi cab. You're sitting in the you know you're walking into a retail store. You're walking into the grocery store. You're I mean just every place you're. I mean it's going to become you know like. Uh, um, you know, it's like that scene in uh, um, Minority Report, Tom Cruise movie, the Minority about Report. the pre-crime. I where you're going with Minority that. Report, yeah. right? You know, where you're, yeah, where you're walking through, and it literally reads your eyeball and says, "Hello, you know, Robert. You know, here's a new shirt that you might like." You know, it's it's uh, we're absolutely headed toward that sort of every interface becoming an advertising uh, real estate. So, does this mean the recession's over because Disney's doing so well, even though they did forecast lower? subscriber growth but apparently the street doesn't care because as i'm looking at this right now disney stock is up six percent so apparently yeah apparently nobody cares about this i think i think we may have hit bottom let's put it that way oh you think we've hit bottom in the market yeah i think we've i think we've i i I don't i think the all signs at this point and again i've you know i've been naively saying this for the last few shows i think that the uh, the recession, to the extent that we are technically in one or not, um, is going to be shallow. I think it's going to be what do they call it, V shaped instead of W shaped or U shaped. Yeah. Um, I think we're likely to come out of this pretty good because of the employment and because of you know because of high demand for for things. And I think if if inflation comes back down, I think we'll get 
pretty much back into a growth mode again. Oh, my God. So you heard it here, folks. So there's financial analysts around the world that have been waiting oh, no. for the yeah. Robert Rose initiative. Oh, God. And Robert says no, we're out we're out of the bear market. We're out of the bear market. So all these financial analysts are going to short every stock. <laughs> That's right. That's it's what you got to be do. the other way around. You By the way, absolutely this is not a financial show. We do not give financial advice. No. This is for disclaimers, 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 disclaimers only. Um, this is for entertainment purposes. It, it, no gambling. I listen to a lot of uh, financial podcasts and Bitcoin podcasts and stuff like that, and every one of them has that. This is just for entertainment purposes only, and then they go That's on right. to give you financial advice. So I don't know exactly how that works, but I, I think that what. What you're referring to is, at least in the United States, we've had successive reports come out that says that inflation seems to not be getting any worse. It's either flatlined or it's going in a better direction. So that's, that's right. why, at least as we as we record this, the, you know, the week of uh, August 11th, 12th, August whatever 11th, the case yeah. is, yeah. that we're seeing the market do really well. So it's risk on again, as they say. So riskier assets, higher growth companies, if you will, those that aren't necessarily making money but have a high growth rate uh, are doing better this week. And, of course, that includes and, crypto as well. Right. I was, saying, I was just going to say crypto seems to be coming back a little bit now, right? I mean, as we speak, I think uh, Bitcoin is up to almost 24 and a half. 24k yep, 20, and ethereum is up at around 18 or 1900 i think so i mean that's well well off of its lows so so yeah i mean i've i've been a, a bitcoin and an ethereum bull for as, as soon as yeah. i heard about it so i'm i'm not as long as you know again not financial advice but i think there's no financial i advice, think there's a no place wagering. it's funny i we're going off tangent again but i somebody asked me to write a, an article on portfolio diversification after you sell your company so it's a very specific <laughs> right. thing yeah and i went ahead and probably the wrong person to do that. <laughs> I was, so i went through, <laughs> i went through the whole thing and i had uh you know i think 2.5% that I recommended to hold in cryptocurrencies. And part of that was Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then basically blue chip NFTs. And the editor got back to me and said, seriously? Like, even in this environment, you're saying to do that? I said, hey, you know what? You asked me to write the article. This is what I believe. Yeah, right? Exactly. If you don't want, if you, you don't want to put it in, you can yeah. take it out. But I'm just telling you, yeah, that's what I believe. You're the dog that caught the car. Now, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> which I still believe that long term, it should be a part of a solid diversification strategy. So, yeah, what do I know? I know nothing yeah. about this stuff. It is well, you might know something about this, yeah. which is the Axios uh, got acquired. Um, Cox Media, this coming, yeah, this is a fascinating story. It comes to us courtesy of Adweek, um, of all places. Uh, and the headline is political ad buyers, first party data and other perks of the Axios purchase. Uh, the article opens up by saying on Monday, the business publisher Axios announced that it had been acquired by the media conglomerate Cox Enterprises for $525 million, marking the beginning of a new era for the publisher whose signature style of bullet point report helped it rise to nationwide prominence just five years after launching. The acquisition comes at an inflection point.
point in the media industry as sweeping changes to the digital advertising ecosystem and the prospect of impending recession, dun, 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 big dramatic music there, threatened to upend the brief year of prosperity that followed on the heels of the pandemic. The deal reflects several of the larger trends shaping the industry, such as the rising value of first-party data, as well as offering insight into its future. Below are takeaways from the acquisition, and it goes on to get some of the takeaways, but um, let's not look at Adweek's takeaways. What are your takeaways, Mr. Pulitzi? Well, congratulations to them. I Oh, my God. It's what a huge success story for them, right? I, it's interesting. I was looking at of course, there's been a lot of articles saying, "Well, how? Why was this so? Why was Axios so successful when others haven't been?" I think, first of all, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the different company exits that have been going on. Email seems to be a core part of most of these deals. First-party data is a thing, folks. Absolutely. Hello. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the trend. I mean, all of these big five X plus exit multipliers are happening with email first companies. So Axios, of course email first company I, you mentioned this they had their very specific style of the bullet points and they stuck with it and they they stick with it on every platform it's like or on every niche audience that they target they're like that's the way to do it so you've got this specific style which you could say okay that's a that's a nice little content tilt that they have they've got an email focus so they're really focused on on that as their their platform and then what i also love which none of the articles really talk about but if you go into the different types of newsletters that they offer they generally have one core editor that contributes that the the content so that the subscribers can have a relationship with that person in some way so it's very yep. personable from that standpoint you can get used because i've gotten you know now i I mean, I sent Sarah Fisher a few emails here and there. So we're sort of, you know, when we cover something from Axios, it's generally from Sarah Fisher because she covers media and marketing. So right. it's just interesting that the way that goes. And, um, you know, and pretty pretty quickly they did this. And I don't think, you know, everyone, and you, you get this in your content marketing consultancies when you go in and everyone wants to have a larger audience and they want more audience. And you usually talk to them and say, look, who's what's that audience that you could really be the leading informational provider? What's that niche audience? And Axios has just gone across the board and say, what's the niche underserved audience? And they're going after that. And that doesn't even include local, which seems to be sort of the big part of this deal that, that everyone's talking about, this focus on local media. Yep. I, I mean, 100%. Uh, agreed on all points there. You know, the, the, the thing that I found so, I mean, look, I've been a fan of what they've done. You know, I think they either came out of Politico or, uh, you know, the, 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 or the, the founders um, or had some relationship to Politico and uh, basically just went a different direction. And like you said, they create, you know, they, what I, what I love so much about Axios is that it, it's just the news. Right. It's, you know, so much of the news these days, and this is true across even industries, are, you know, people telling you what they think about the news instead of, you know, I mean, that's CNN, right? Yeah. I mean, CNN right now is not the news. It's what, you know, it's people telling you what they think about the news. Um, so it's, you know, guest, you know, bring in an expert guest to say, hey, here's what's happening. What do you think about what's happening? And Axios isn't that. It's old style, classic, like this is what happened. Boom, boom, boom. Here's what could be. Here's what might be. Boom, done. You're, you know, so it's, it gets right to the meat. It gets right to the, the point. You know, they don't bury the lead. You know, it's the whole, it's just, it's so good and clean 
when you want to get just the news. And I think that was, you know, it's why I subscribed, um, you know, because I could get, you know, just, I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to read through 750 words of SEO laden stuff to get to what the point of the article is. And that's, they don't do that. They just, they just get right to the point, you know, whether it takes 500 words, a thousand words, or, you know, 250 words, it, they just get to the point. I love the acquisition for, I think it's just the smartest thing ever, just exactly to your point, which is it gives Cox first party data uh, and email and a platform that they can just, you know, they, they can monetize the hell out of. And, it, you know, it immediately, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the industry dive acquisition by Informa. This is not dissimilar from that where Cox can just lay in all these different areas that Axios covers into their portfolio of what they're doing from, you know, everything from serving telecommunications to local households to cable TV to, you know, all the things that they do. And, you know, it just becomes it becomes a nice little feather in the cap for them. So, you know, and they can take that brand and and do things with it. Right. So it's yeah. I think it's a brilliant acquisition and I think they'll they'll do great. But with just it. think about the local. I mean, so go back into the early part of the previous century when the most uh you know, the richest people in the world owned local media, right? Local newspapers. Right. That yep. was it. Yeah. That was it for media companies. It was all about local. And then you had, you know, even recently people like Warren Buffett buying up all these old newspapers and things, which I don't know if it is the right move. But the point is, is there's so much unlocked revenue and opportunity in local media right now because there are dollars there. You have all these local businesses that would like to spend, but they can't with the larger media properties. And right. there's nobody that covers local well. It's, I That's mean, right. because, because of the fact, I, mean, I, I, I don't want to say anything against my wonderful former paper or current paper, I guess, Cleveland Plain Dealer. But I went to get a copy of the Plain Dealer. It was about like eight pages in print and it cost $3. And there's really no local news. Like real local news, most of it's AP generated. They just yep. don't have the business model set up for that anymore. Now, if Axios Local has come up with a new business model, it seems like they have. They they can take advantage of these hyper local. Uh, even in Cleveland, you know, you've got seven or eight different areas of Cleveland that probably should have their own news. That right now nobody's covering this. Axios can figure that out. They've really unlocked a lot of value, and nobody's doing it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've talked on this show before about why we can't understand why some of the bigger brands in local, you know, in localities like Cleveland, you know, why isn't progressive insurance, right? You know, basically, you know, doing that right through Cleveland Plain Dealer and telling the local story. And it's not a big jump to your point. It's not a big jump because progressive already has the naming rights to the field. Progressive field where right. the Cleveland Guardians play. exactly. So they're right. already doing you know local advertising, if you will. It's not. It's a drop in the bucket for them to buy a paper like that. And that's right. You already have get the audience. The, I don't know. And get the first party data, and you know, and uh, yeah, Jeez. I mean, you know, we could go on and on, but yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the thing. I mean, you talk about. You know, such a such a huge opportunity for value creation um, with local journalism. You know, especially these days, like you said, you know, because the reason that you know my my local TV news covers almost 
all national stuff is because it comes to them pre-canned, right? They get it. You know, they just get it for free. And, you know, they all they're doing is pair, you know, they get the script, they get everything for free. And all they got to do is, you know, and then they cover maybe, you know, in a 30 minute newscast, maybe seven minutes of it is actually, you know, what's going on locally. The rest of it is, you know, Trump this and yeah. this, that and, you know, Syria that. And, you know, it's like, ah, you know, you, you what you what you want is and, and that's just an e- economics thing. Right. It's just it's just literally economics. And if they can figure out how to do it, it will be such a huge like you said, you know, unlock of value. No, but the other, the the companion piece that you have with us on the uh, the media yeah. valuations is so interesting. So Axios did a whole thing on media valuations, and I don't know. Remember, remember when Bleacher Report had their valuation at? I mean, that shows here five point four x revenue, and everyone thought that that was just out. Of, you know, there's no way nobody is going to get anybody's going to get that again. That's so high. Well, now we're seeing consistently above for these larger media deals above 5x revenue which is seems to be the standard right it's pretty amazing actually you know because if you had asked me if you'd said you know what do you think the average is i would have said i don't know somewhere around three or four yeah two to four x probably yeah you know and and you know and if it's especially like a it's an especially strong brand maybe you get five but you know, you know, and 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 what Joe's referring to is, and we'll of course put this in the show notes. Is this wonderful article um, in Axios? They did a roundup of all of the recent um, uh, acquisitions in the media space and put in, you know, how much money was raised, what their estimated annual revenue was, the enterprise value sale, uh, and what the exit multiplier was. And it's just a great. I mean, it covers the hustle, which of course was acquired by HubSpot. Which you know apparently had a million dollars in uh, in uh, in raised money, ten million dollars in revenue, um, and that's their estimated, obviously, because they were a private company, and then they got a two point seven x. You know, so maybe that's the going rate. Maybe it is our estimate is right for a brand acquiring somebody like that. But you look at Huffington Post, for example, which was acquired with basically. Three three hundred and fifteen for three hundred and fifteen million dollars on a thirty million dollar revenue. That's a ten x yeah uh, multiple on Huffington Post. Now maybe the brand gives you that that extra value, but just a fascinating thing. I think if you average, I mean, looking at the average here, the average is probably in the five four high four low five range. I think small. Yeah, I would say it looks like smaller yeah. deals. And when I say smaller deals, let's say. To, you know, 150 or less, 150 million or less, you're looking at between three and four, two and a half and four is sort of the deal. And yeah. then anything over that number is 5x plus some of these into the That's 10x right. deals. So it's That's it's right. sort of, a, it's still a lucrative business on the media side. And I mean, and, and for you content marketing people, and I don't know if you've ever gone through this and one of your engagements, Robert, but I wonder if any, you know, since we've worked with some of these companies that are actually driving significant revenue and profit from their content marketing division, I wonder if they ever use the multiplier as a, you know, another point to reference with the executive team when they're looking for budget or <laughs> looking for to hire more people well, and to say, look, yeah. the valuation, like, it, and I don't know, I mean, Amanda would have to tell us from Cleveland Clinic, but Cleveland Clinic's driving a lot of revenue and they're also profitable now that just that division 
So I'm wondering if she could take that out for spin and say, oh, we're doing, you know, 20 some million dollars in revenue in this division and this whatever in profit. I'm just making these numbers up. I don't know. But they say, oh, if you take a general value, average valuation of between four and six X, this division in and of itself, if we sold it off, would be worth, you know, hundred million dollars. That's right. That's exactly right. Or even and, and, you know, and, and hear me out here. If even if you're not actually generating actual revenue, but could, in other words, you literally look at your you you look at the 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 visitors and what you're doing with those visitors and all of those things, and you basically just apply a layer of you know what we could do without even trying you know without even breaking a sweat kind of thing you know throw up some advertising et cetera et cetera start applying those same multiples. Yeah, the numbers are going to be smaller, and there's a little bit of theor- theoretical built into that, obviously, you know, hypothesis, but the story is pretty good. That's the point, right? You're, st- you know, if you're a, if if you're if you're running a corporate blog, give me an example of one that doesn't even exist anymore that is a sad thing that it doesn't exist, which is adobecmo.com. Right? cmo.com was easily in the same at at one point easily in the same category as the hustle. Um, and if they had basically kept on their way, okay, maybe they weren't $10 million in revenue. Let's just do $5 million in revenue. Let's half that, right? And so they were $5 million at a two, 2.7. Let's just do 3x just yeah. to keep the math easy. That's $15 million of value, right, that they're creating for that company. And so is that part of the valuation when you evaluate Adobe? Are you throwing in an extra $15 million for for the existence of CMO.com? Probably not. You know, did they get that kind of credit when, you know, and, but that's the, that's the kind of math that we're going to have to start doing these days. Well, especially if some of these organizations, which sadly it happens, decides to stop doing these things. They're like, okay, we're going in a direction. We're stopping. I'm sure they've got financial analysts that would say, okay, well, We've got a number of marketing assets that we could sell now because we're going in this new direction. And you yeah, could, but I don't think they do, dude. I don't think they do. You think they just? Sh- no, I know. That's what I'm saying is they shut them. Yeah. But they sh- right now they shut them down. They should do what you're right. saying. They should look yeah. at it as an asset. But most of the time, right yeah, now they, they just should. shut them down. Like, oh, okay, done. Because they have no idea, right? They did. They just look at that and go, you know, this goes all the way back. You know, I had this amazing conversation with um, with Jonathan Mildenhall you know, years ago when he was at Coca-Cola and he would, he told me straight out, he said, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got tons, you know, Coca-Cola has tons of brand assets that could be licensed out, right. And make millions of dollars. And, you know, he's basically, it would make the CFO's head explode. Right. I mean, because they just don't know how, they just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to apply that revenue. They don't, you know, it's not. And, and by the way, it's a drop in the bucket in terms of their overall total revenue idea, but the idea of turning marketing into that kind of profit center where you can license out brand-oriented assets is just such a foreign concept to most, you know, financial groups that they just they they can't they can't take it. It's oh man, we we've talked about it in a few cases. Of course, Aero Electronics has been able to do this, you know, when we when uh, Brian Piper and I were working on the new version of of Epic Content Marketing. We had another interview with Victor, and it's Victor Gao who's who basically orchestrated. Didn't he just leave? I think he just left. Didn't uh, he? If he did, I'm not sure because he got elevated to chief marketing officer from. Yeah, I knew that. Okay, well, if, yeah. he, if he left, uh, well, I better check in 
because I, it was only a couple of weeks ago that I talked to him. Yeah, I think he's. I think he left. Oh, okay. Well, let me. Uh, wait, are you sure about this? Are we breaking news? I don't know. Anyways, before we go down that <laughs> rabbit hole, um, it, he the the way that he he looked at it and said, "Oh my God, these are worth X amount of value." But maybe if we go in, and I, maybe your point is right with the hustle, a little bit lower valuation, a little bit different strategically, you can go in and you can purchase these assets as well uh and maybe not for the 5x multiple i don't know of a lot of marketing people that would do that and that's maybe what that's the hang up in a lot of cases but to your point they're not even thinking about it they're not thinking about yeah, the possibility that's exactly of doing right it. we're victor that's exactly did. right so yes that's exactly right and by the way yes he has indeed left i i, I remember getting oh an email my gosh and so he left in july yeah he left he left uh he left in july and he is now looks like he's doing a bunch of stuff he's looks like he's doing some investing and wow congrats victor. enjoying the yeah, fruits of I'm his sure, labor yeah sure he's, that was a he's very such an amazing guy. yeah because uh victor as we said put together the program to buy i think it was 52 or 53 different brands from at the time ubm and and then when you say hey, okay who's the largest media company in the b2b electronic space it's not a media company or a traditional media company it's yep. aero electronics aero Electronic. and those are that's a whole profitable division in and of itself and uh and they have a whole uh, group that kind of runs church and state between marketing and editorial and it's a really interesting process so yeah there you go. absolutely all right well, let's move on and let's create. Let's look at our last story quickly before we jump into rants and raves. And this comes courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, um, something that I'm sure you don't have a subscription to. Um, <laughs> which is, you can be sure that I do not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the headline is Lyft, the car company, uh, of course, creates media media division rather to expand its advertising services through its Lyft media unit. The ride hailing company plans to offer more ads inside cars on its app and at bike share stations. The article opens up by saying Lyft has formed Lyft Media, a new business unit consolidating and expanding the advertising offering at the ride-hailing company. The news comes more than two years after Lyft acquired Halo Cars, which makes monitors to run digital ads atop cars and as Lyft faces an increasingly crowded marketplace for advertising in and around car services. It goes on to describe what they're going to be doing here with the rooftop ads and with you know iPads in, inside the cars and all of that. Probably another revenue stream. I'm just making a guess here. Probably another revenue stream for the drivers if they put this stuff in their cars. Mm -hmm. But to me, this is kind of annoying, right? Because the one one reason I like Lyft and Uber over a taxi cab is because I don't have to listen to Al Roker give the weather loudly and listen to Broadway tunes, you know, on you know on some bad speaker in the back of a cab. This is going to be that, yeah. I mean, this is going to be that kind of thing. Well. I'm under the assumption in the future you could set it in your preferences. So if you get in and say I prefer oh, no ads when you go. walk in, yeah, yeah. your ads won't be pl- there won't be ads playing. Ooh, and maybe you have to pay a little extra. That's for that. exactly right. That's what I'm thinking. So it's oh, a great it's point. a pricing great point. yeah, it's a pricing option. It's almost like with the Disney thing that you can either spend a little bit less if you want ads or a little bit more for whatever experience you're going for. So from that standpoint, that doesn't bother me. I think that this is just a baby step into what this whole show has been about is 
you have an audience and you have multiple ways to generate revenue from that audience. Yep. Disney's done that better than anyone else in the world. And Uber and Lyft here in this case, because they talk about Uber in this article as well. They're like, oh, okay, well, we are a ride sharing company. Well, how can we generate revenue? And in this article, they also talk about the fact that, and I forgot that Lyft also rents cars. And they're in the car rental yes, business yeah. as well. Yeah. So if you just think about, okay, they have an audience now of millions across the world. What other things in relevant markets can they sell them as well? You know, Uber did that tremendously well with Uber Eats. That was never, I mean, that was never a thing when Uber started. So it's yeah. just, I think that's kind of where we're going with some of these larger companies as they think about, okay, we have this first party data and can we take it off for a spin? And does that lead right into product development? And the answer is yes. Great point. So yeah, it's a great point. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we didn't talk about it on the show last week for time, but I ended up, you know, it was a show that we had in our, our article that we had in our list was the new, uh, basically demand side platform that Apple is building. Um, and I actually had an online conversation with, friend and family of the show, uh, Igor Bialabrotic. Um, hi, Igor. Um, and we talked a little bit about this on Twitter, which is my feeling is is that, you know, Apple is doing exactly this, building an adver- a demand-side advertising platform because I think it's going to be for the car. I think it's yes. going to be for their, I think it's for the interface for their, you know, for their new automobile, which will fit right in, right? Contextual advertising as, as you drive the car. I think, I think that's going to happen. And it's so funny. I just read uh, Blake Crouch's new book called Upgrade. And in that book, Google has a car, which I would think it would be oh, Apple, interesting. But, but I mean, it's so yeah. funny because when I was, you know, it's a futuristic take. And when I, when he was talking about the Google, whatever the Google car was named, it made perfect sense to me that Google has a car. <laughs> so I think, I, I, I think t- you're right. That fight for the car is absolutely going to be a thing. And people, you could get to a point where the car, is not nearly as expensive in terms of whatever inflation you want to look at as it is today because of the fact that if you have a car and they're able to monetize it in 72 different ways through some of the things we're talking about with advertising you know your cost you could say hey it's if you get this car it's free because we're gonna generate revenue through all your subscriptions and everything else theoretically could happen yeah i'll tell you this if if it comes down to an Apple car or a, an Android car, I, I'm definitely buying the Apple car because the Android cars that like the gear shift's going to be up in the passenger seat, and it's going <laughs> to be impossible on. to figure out how to turn it on. And once you get it turned on, you can't figure out how to turn it off or put it into drive or where the radio is or anything like that. And and of course, it'll get hacked all the time. So well, I'll tell you that's, what, that's you me. know what's going to happen. But when it, when it does happen and Apple comes out with a car, it's going to be the most anticipated product launch ever, oh, and they probably no won't. It'll probably be a surprise. Yes, I, I think that's It'll right. It'll be an announcing, I and you're thinking right. you're getting a new AirPod upgrade, and you're like you're gonna, and, <laughs> and it's gonna be like Monty. Hey, and behind curtain two is the yeah, new Apple car. Exactly, this new and car. Tesla stock just plummets. Yep, it's it's coming. It's yeah, absolutely, absolutely coming for sure. All right, folks, it is now time for our rants and raves when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've spent four hours pleading the fifth or (laughs) that we've actually scathed through some deposition um, about uh, some case. I I have to. So someday when we're when, you know, maybe the 
statute of limitations. You have to tell me more about this case. Oh, I, that, I'm, that yeah, I, I would. Fascinating. But yeah, but we'd have to do that. Would be a special sub- subscriber only option for this old marketing. See, there we like go. You could hear about go. hear there about go. Now you're Joe's case and and, uh, there and we all go. The, the horrors surrounding yeah, it. I like it. Yes, exclusive. Yeah, something like exclusive that. Exclusive content. Uh, you want me to go first? Um, all right. Yeah, you go first. I'll, right. I'll go. So, second. so just. This is just fascinating to me, uh, and I talked about this on my uh, JoePlitzy.com newsletter, but I had a conversation with my youngest son who started watching online slots gambling years ago through Twitch. And I don't know. Have you ever watched one of these, Robert? Have you ever seen this happen on Twitch? Uh, is it literally people playing slot yes. machines? Because that's, yes. that's that sounds like... I'd rather watch paint. Absolutely. Yes, Some people okay. would, but basically that's exactly it. So I'll give you an example. So there's a guy named Rostein. So Rostein has been a Twitch slot streamer since 2016. Of course. Of course his name is Rostein. Of course. Of course. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, so he, Rock me, Amadeus. So Rock so me, Amadeus. Rostein has <laughs> over a million followers on Twitch, got like 500,000 plus views on a stream. And these streams last like five hours long. So like Rostein. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so Rashteen, the way it works is regularly bets like thousands of euro at a time. And what how it works is online betting sites like um, Slate.com uh, and Rubet, they pay streamers like Rashteen to bet. And if a streamer loses big, which they do most of the time, it's not that big of a deal because they're being funded. Now... I'm going to get into some negativity about that. Now, it's not like watching this type of programming is not all that bad. It sounds terrible, but I have read articles from recovering gamblers that watching online gambling is therapeutic to them since they can't gamble anymore. So, and I'm assuming that if someone enjoys watching a person bet big on slots and doesn't go blow their life savings themselves, it's entertainment like watching Big Brother or something like that. So, it's not that bad. Uh, but I'm not sure I believe Well, I don't right, either. Right, I don't right. either. Keep going. Keep but going. But here's the price. Yeah, so, here's, here's gets to my, my rant and my commentary. It's like having an alcoholic go to the bar and watching everybody get drunk. Well, yeah, like, exactly. I'm not sure so, that's the right answer. But, but okay. so here's the problem. Keep going. I don't have a problem with a slots streamer necessarily just saying okay this is what they do and they're just streaming slots and they built an audience around that and people looking for that will find Rushdeen and great but i had a long discussion with my youngest about this a couple days ago and he was going through the problem that he has with this and um he basically said a few years ago slots streaming was a niche topic on twitch so basically you had a handful of people like Rushdeen that were doing this full time great is now the problem is you have these big big streamers and it's gone completely mainstream so he the one that he was talking about with me was xqc so xqc is one of the top streamers in the world youtube and twitch <laughs> and became of course. A, i know you're laughing at all this this is a thing this is a thing oh my god i've i have no doubt that it's anyways I've, 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 I'm, a, I'm i'm highly entertained by this okay. whole situation yeah you're gonna get better it gets better so xqc i had to do a lot of research to find all this stuff i'm sure you did yeah so xqc became popular by streaming games like overwatch and the problem is xqc has recently started streaming slots uh since 2021 now just the other day this week xqc revealed that he has wagered 685 million dollars since he started gambling online in 2021 uh-huh. Which is fine for XQC. Why? Because XQC is funded by stake.com. Sure. Uh, so 
great. So XQC can lose all the money and whatever. It doesn't matter because XQC is actually making money because he has a sponsorship deal. Now, you might say great for XQC, right? Here's the problem. 33% of XQC's audience is between 15 and 17 years old. Of course. I mean, these, well, uh, here's the issue. These kids, see, here's the, these kids initially came for the gaming. They initially went to watch right. XQC for other reasons, and now XQC is getting them involved into online gambling, and this is my problem where I think it's going to be a train wreck. And it's really easy to do this. Like, for example, if I go to stake.com right now and I try to sign up, I can't do it because it says, you're in the United States. You can't do that. But I've learned that you can just get a free VPN, virtual private oh, network sure. site. That's, you know yeah, this, right? Yeah. Yeah, fake where you live. That's how, how, how I watch football when I, go, wherever right? I want to watch yeah. football. Yeah. And you can you can use crypto and anyone can get online and these kids can lose their money. So the whole yeah. point, I'm done with my whole rant. I'm I don't have a solution to it. I'm just really concerned that like the whole online world here is gonna turn into a scene from Back to the Future and Biffs or something like that. And I, I'm not sure really how to avoid it. But I think that we've got some yeah. really, really bad things to come. So yeah, well, I mean, it's it, you know when when you when you first started this story, I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Watching people lose money, you know, th- th- on slot machines, but it's even worse, right? Because it's not people losing money on slot machines; it's actually the WWE of slot machines. Yes, in right? a way, it's literally sure. It's you're 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 basically watching the you know you know people, and, and so. I don't know if you remember, but there was so many times uh, back when WWE became really popular, maybe 20 years ago, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, it was it was the early days of the Internet, maybe probably maybe 30 years ago, years probably ago. the mid when Hulk Hogan, well, mid 80s. Well, that was yeah, that was that was huge, too. Right. But what I mean is, is when kids started copying it, right, when kids started jumping off the roof. They started, you know, they started slamming each other with chairs. They started, you know, they started copying the WWE because, of course, nobody got hurt. And, of course, people got hurt. And, you know, and and now, you know, you're going to have something really similar, similar go down, which is, you know, the 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 reality, quote unquote, is just theater. But the you know, but the reality that is behind all of that is is not theater right and so i mean look there there, this was also the week that you know the the kia and uh and you know hyundai car challenge went viral on tiktok right which is a bunch of kids you know figured out that you can start a kia or a hyundai with a with a usb cable and so now there are tons of viral videos going around on tiktok showing kids starting up hyundais and kias with the usb cable and then you know, ramming into other cars and basically taking cars for joy rides. Oh my gosh, you know, I did not know about this. This is going to happen, Jeez. right? I mean, this is all going to happen, but it is, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It's something to be concerned about, but there really isn't a solution for it yet. Well, and the, and if you go back, I mean, go back to the day when I didn't start, I, I think the first time I went into a casino, I was in my late 20s. It, it was, you had to go to Vegas or you had to go to Canada and for me. At the time, it's, it was yeah. very difficult yeah. to gamble. It, now, today, it's it's really easy. I mean, they're relaxing all the regulations worldwide on this thing. Oh, sure. And if you watch yeah. European football, which I watch Arsenal games, everybody's sponsored by an online betting That's company. That's right. So it's just That's we're right. here, and now we're going to have to deal with the fallout. 
So yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's it's, it's a it's an interesting segue into into my commentary uh, this week um, because it's also how, what how we're going to deal with the fallout. Um, so this week and the show uh, in the show notes, we'll link to an article from Market Watch. But there's so many different places covering this. So Malcolm Gladwell, um, who of course is famous for you know um, the Tipping Point and so many other books, you know, sort of the the you know these the sort of pop psychology of 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 you know business as yep. it were, um, basically went on a podcast and talked about this idea of work from home, and is getting tons of slack from it because uh, he he basically said work from home is you know bullshit and that you know people shouldn't be sitting around in their pajamas and he had all sorts of commentary about you know that and of course received the very sort of, I would argue, well-deserved backlash, I guess. Um, but because, you know, he's often talked about how the fact that he works from home and in coffee shops and, you know, on a laptop and doesn't like working on a desk and, you know, all those sorts of things. And people are sort of throwing his his own words back at him for all this stuff. In any event, it just, the, the whole thing seems to be coming up again and again, this idea of work from home and, and you know, and my I guess my commentary on it is that, you know, A, you know, taking this kind of advice from Malcolm Gladwell is never going to be a good idea anyway. Um, but what I'm finding is, is that in this discussion about work from home is is something fascinating is that all the nuance has gone out of that discussion. Like all what I see on LinkedIn, what I see on Twitter about work from home is strident one way or the other. And what I find so interesting is, is that those that are strident about it one way or the other, in other words, somebody just saying, oh, everybody should work from home. Everybody, it's the most amazing thing. And, you know, damn companies that won't let us work from home or everybody should be in the office and you should be in the office and, you know, you're losing your life, you know, to loneliness if you don't work in the office. Everybody who takes that sort of strident opinion has worked one way all their life, pretty much. Has worked, you know. In other words, they 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 have really lived in one particular world, and are just you know very upset about being thrown out of you know whatever world that they feel comfortable in. And the conversation is much more nuanced than that, and should be much more nuanced than that because it's complex. I certainly don't blame companies for earnestly trying to bring people back into the office because they earnestly do believe, and there are, you know, there's data to show this, that it is actually better for some in their psyche to actually have a place to go for work, to be able to decompartmentalize where they work from where they live and how they, you know, how they want to work. They, they actually do find it better. There are those who actually feel much better working from home and not commuting. And there's a, you know, there's a general unlock of value there in terms of the time not spent commuting can be spent, you know, in your personal life or, you know, being more productive. And, you know, there's data that show that, you know, that being working from home is more productive. All of those things can be true. We have to be able to hold all of those things in our head at the same time, because the real answer is we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know whether it's better for the human brain, the human psyche, our emotional health to be from home or for not, unless we are feeling it. In other words, if you're loving working from home and you're great working from home, maybe it's the right answer for you. But we don't know as a society, as a culture, as you know, as a as an industry, we don't know. And we should just say that we should just say, look, we don't know. We, we, do, we don't know whether it's better or not. 
And we're going to find out. We will ultimately balance this. We will ultimately figure it all out. Companies will figure out the right balance. But it's, you know, it's still early days here. And we have to look at this in the long game in terms of people's emotional health in people's, you know, the, the, the actual damage we can do to the planet versus the health of the planet versus the way that we build big glass boxes versus the way that we do neighborhood and city planning. All, all of those things will be evolved as technology evolves and as our work habits evolve and all those things were happening anyway. And we just need to actually work the problem, not try and figure out where the blame is because that's not helping anybody. That's my that's my commentary. No, I think you're right, but it doesn't make news, right? We want we, right. We well, that's exactly one way or the right. other. It, that's that's exactly it. right. It, yeah, yeah, right. You know, and and, and the, the whole you know you're harshing my mellow by making me come back to you know making me come back to work, or you're just sitting in your pajamas. All of that gets clicks and likes, but it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. I have this. I, I relate to it because I talk with my youngest about this all the time and i said well, why don't you go out and go meet your friends and whatever and he says i talked to my friends i he says i have more friends than you i talked to them all today uh, but i'm not in person and i'm like it's not the same and he says how do you know you don't know i'm like and i don't i don't right i don't know what's better i i, ha- I have an opinion that i think it's better to go outside well, you have what's better for you in person yeah you, but exactly but they might have a point so what can they, I say? They, they they might have a point. They, they and and the thing is, they don't know, and you and don't nobody know, knows, right? Nobody right. knows. You know, it, we may find out that you know there's a whole generation here. You know, I mean, I think you know we're starting to see get some real clues here, right? You know, we are starting to see things like school, for example, remote learning, not as good. I mean, I think we're we're starting to see real data that that shows that you know that there's a yeah. real. You know, and that may just be the fact that the technology needs to catch up, or it may be that actually remote learning just isn't as good as in-person learning. So we, we, you know, we're starting to get some real data points on that stuff. But I think when it comes to, you know, you know, and by the way, anybody who's having this conversation, working from home, working not from not from home, we just have to sort of acknowledge our privilege here, right? Which is, you know, the fact that we're even having this discussion means that we're, you know, we're doing very well. We're well, doing just that's fine. The thing, that's the thing in reading this article that you sent me, and and he goes on yeah. in detail. It says, in an interview in 2005, Malcolm talked about he liked to work on his couch with his laptop over his, like, right. what? Yes. You're able yes. to do that, Mr. Gladwell, and we're happy that's for right. you. So. That's right. That's right. You know, when you start talking to frontline workers or people who have to, you know, show up to work to work in retail or to, you know, or hospitals or or police or construction workers or, you know, just about, I mean, so many other professions, you know, where you have to actually show up somewhere to be, you know, because the actual work is done in a place, you know, lawyers, you know, all those kinds of things. It's like, you know, okay. Yeah, let's let's just you know, let's just take a back step and say not everybody's a coder, right? Not everybody's, you know, writing content. Not everybody's in marketing. Not everybody's can has the privilege of working from home or that even that choice. Uh, the debate will go on, but I agree with you. Yes, it so, did. It did. Indeed. So, uh, so what do you got, you got, what you got going on this week? Well, I'm, you know, we're, I'm busy. I'm a, I'm, I got a bunch of writing projects. So, I mean, I'm happy about it because it's hot and it's good time to do those kinds of things because you're not going outside. But um, yeah, I've got a bunch of, I'm writing a bunch of white papers and doing research. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, all 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 of that. That's 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 been this week, and maybe try and get to the beach a little bit. Oh, that's wonderful. Good. We can yeah. we can talk about. See, we're talking about our privileged status. I'm go- I'm golfing yeah, today, exactly. and I'm golfing tomorrow with my dad. That's there you go. It's a very very tough life we we both have. So. Absolutely, it's horrible. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible, and we get to do this show every week, which is you know even 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 more horrible and we wait yeah we're wasting i'm sorry we have to apologize for wasting everyone's hour and eight minutes or whatever it's been that's right that's right all right well let's just cut it then there um and so in the meantime uh before we see you again uh, if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes of course or you can dive into any of the other 335 uh episodes get on over to our website won't you thisoldmarketing.site we'd love to see you there give us a review we're still happy we're getting reviews in and we're paying idea coin and we're paying out tilt coin for those reviews so if you haven't done it yet and feel like doing it come on over do it all you need to do is give us a review um then fill out the form and let us know your rally id and there you go it's just that easy uh also Hashtag us up, won't you, on the Twitter? Hashtag this old marketing um, and give us some story ideas. Thank you to Heath Dingwell every single week giving us the great five stories. Um, but we'd love more stories from all of you, too. Um, it's always helpful for when we're putting together the show to make sure we're putting the stories together that you want to hear about. So just remember until next week, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on this old marketing. <laughs>